Welcome to another episode of It's a Long Beach Thing, where we bring on guests and we talk about this beautiful city we call Long Beach. And now, here's your host, motivational coach, Paul Fortune. Welcome to another episode of It's a Long Beach Thing. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and like us on Facebook, It's a Long Beach Thing. We have a great show for you today. We have my friend, director of, uh, you said director of development for Long Beach Symphony, John Cross with us. John, how are you today? I am fantastic, Paul. Good to see you and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, we met last year at a uh, at a function. I think it was the Signal Hill Chamber of Commerce. He came in, and uh, you and I hit it off, and uh, it led to us uh, doing an event with you. Right. Uh, at, at what what was that venue in downtown Long Beach? It was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. We hosted a breakfast uh, meeting. Um, we're, so the symphony is brand new members of the Signal Hill Chamber this last year. And we hosted a breakfast meeting at the uh, Kiesel, Young & Logan Law Firm, which is on uh, uh, down on Ocean Boulevard at uh, 400 Ocean Gate. So just overlooking the port, which is very cool. Yeah, the views were fantastic. Yeah. And the, the thing of the matter was, uh, I gave you a amount of people, but I think last minute we had more. Just because I think a lot of people in Long Beach or, or in Signal Hill know about that building and like, oh, oh, we need to go. Yeah. And it turned out to be one of the better turnouts of the year. Not to mention, you know, you, you guys put on a, a, a wonderful spread and, and, and treat us with such kindness. Mm -hmm. uh, it was unbelievable. So I, I really thank you. It was a, it was a great turnout event. I, I got a lot of great feedback from that. Oh, good, good. Well, we we were super lucky because one of our board members um, is a is a lawyer at at uh, Kiesel Young and Logan, and has been a board member for a long, long time. And you know, they started they offered to host our board meetings there uh, several years ago, and um, so we get the chance to go there five or six times a year. Um, and and it's yeah, it's. You can't you can't beat it. It's these it's on the 14th floor of this building, sweeping views of the port of the Queen Mary. And it's very yeah, it's very Long Beach. It it, it certainly is. And uh, you invited me also to uh, uh, Pops with the Beatles. And boy, I, I didn't have any expectation at, at all. I was just going to go and, and 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 just have a good time. And I and I did. But I was just blown away. By the talent of the Lummi Symphony and by the the uh, the Beatles tribute band, it just just was next level stuff. Um, and I know that that's that's just the tip of the iceberg for you guys, but but for me, it was like you just made me me a fan. I mean, you just brought me in now 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 I'm a customer. So you did your job. You reeled us in. <laughs> Well, we're super lucky. We uh, we have been around. You know, people don't know. You know, we've was one of our challenges, but we're 89 years old as an organization, and you know that half our season is the pops in the Long Beach Arena. The other half of our season is a more traditional classical presentation in the Terrace Theater. But those pops concerts are you know they're basically a party, 
Um, you know, it's it's for anybody who hasn't been to a Pops concert, I definitely encourage you to try. Um, but it, it's it's really an indoor Hollywood Bowl experience. You can bring your own food and uh, beer, wine, soda, charcuterie, snacks, crackers, whatever, um, or a full meal. Some people bring in a whole lasagna and they share it with their table. So it's 10 top tables um, on the arena floor. Um, you can you don't have to buy 10 tickets. You can buy two tickets and you'll be seated community style with other people, make some new friends. Um, and then so, so from 6.30 to 8 is the picnicking. Doors open at 6.30. Concert starts at 8. You can come anytime between there and have a, have a beverage or two and some snacks. And then you get a great concert at 8 o'clock. So the, the recipe on pops is we, we have kind of, we usually have a, uh, a featured act or a cover band or what have you. And then the symphony is, is backing up all the music of the concert. Um, so on that particular night for the Beatles, that's where we opened our season with the Beatles tribute and the cover band was great. And, um, but the thing about Beatles music is there is so much natural symphonic background to a lot of what they do. So um, it was a really nice mix of, you know, it wasn't like the orchestra is just in the background. You really, the orchestra got to shine through as part of the concert. So yeah, it was, that was a fun night. It, it certainly did. And, it, and it's, it's funny as uh, I, I love the Beatles. So I was excited for that. Um, but I, I, one of the songs that really blew me away, it's not one of my favorite personal songs, but because of the Lamy Symphony, it, it was probably my favorite uh, one of the night because it, like you said, a lot of their, their, their songs cater to that type of uh, orchestra. And it was um, all the, I, I think the name of the song is it, all the lonely people. Yeah. With the, yeah. with the violin on the regular version, but hearing that live with the Lamy Symphony, yeah. I mean, I just got goosebumps when they when they had the violin playing that part. Right. That actually was my favorite song uh, of the evening because of uh, because of that. Yeah, I think it's I think that's uh, Eleanor Rigby. Is yes, the name Eleanor of, Rigby. Is the, you're is right. The yeah. name of the, is the name of the, it's one of, yeah, it's one of my favorite Beatles songs. I, I was yeah, and the orchestra really shined through. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, we can talk on and on about that. Well, I know we'll we'll talk more about it, but um, I want to talk a little bit about you. So, John, what is your association with this great city of Long Beach? So, I was, I grew up in the Midwest, grew up in Ohio, um, Dayton, Ohio area, and stayed there, went to school, I went to Ohio State, um, and graduated, and got my master's at Ohio State, and I was all set to go into college athletic administration. That was, that was my, that was definitely the road I was going to, I had been a basketball manager at Ohio State, and worked in the ticket office, and Love college athletics. Got my first job. Took me to Western Michigan University as the athletic ticket manager there for a couple of years. But man, I was done with winter. The snow in Kalamazoo and the lake effect snow. And just like, ugh, this winter thing is just not my thing. And um, through a, a few circumstances, I actually ended up getting a job offer company here in Long Beach um, in like 1988 
um, a couple years ago. And um, <laughs> I came out for interview, looked around. It's like, oh, this is this is sunshine, pretty everywhere. It's like, this is this is what I want to do. So it, I, I got the job and moved out here in June of 1988. And I moved away a couple of times for short stints, but it's always it's always called me back. It's it's it's, it's home. Long Beach is home. So when you moved originally here, I know you were I work in Long Beach. Were you living in Long Beach at the time as well? Yeah, yeah. I got a little tiny studio apartment on top of a garage behind a house in Belmont Shore. And um, uh, 600 bucks a month was my rent. And uh, you know, that sounds high for 1988, huh? Well, I had I had, I had washer and dryer. I had a garage. Mm -hmm. oh. um, so it was, it was pretty so You had parking. I had parking. Oh, okay. Then I, now I understand why. <laughs> because if anybody knows Belmont Shore, right officially i was in belmont heights i was above second street i was i was on shaw shaw street which was like a little short street in there but um yeah so i was like it, the office was in signal hill and on temple temple and spring and um i was living in belmont heights and you know had a two mile drive to work three mile drive to work it's awesome that that had been great in itself right that yeah. you know everybody talks about commute to work especially in 1988 you know when there wasn't too many mobile jobs everybody really had a commute to work right and you could wake up and two minutes later be at work yeah yeah that the, the bummer is that changed pretty quickly uh, a couple of years we we outgrew the building we were in in signal hill and we relocated to irvine <laughs> oh. Uh, uh, are you allowed to tell us what the name of the company was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still around. Pacciolan. It's a software okay. company. P-A-C-I-O-L-A-N. I spent nearly 20 years there. Um, and I was in, so Pacciolan's specialty is uh, selling integrated software packages actually for ticketing and fundraising. So this was kind of my first little foray into fundraising. Um and back in those days, it was the very beginning of having like integrated CRM systems where the ticket office needs to talk to the fundraising office and the amount of money you give to the athletic department directly correlates to how good your seats are for football or basketball. Or, um, so that was the beginning of, of all that stuff happening. So we had a software package that was written specifically for college athletics and um so I was kind of on the I was on the sales team. I was actually the kind of the assistant sales guy to one of the co-founders of the company because it was really small at that time. So I was kind of I was kind of hitting the sweet spot of what I loved because I I was getting to travel to college athletic departments all over the country and you know show the software. I would do demos of the software. Um, so I got to meet you know athletic directors and assistant ads and ticket office managers and at all these you know major colleges around the country so it was it was a blast i had a, had a great time doing I, I bet so let's go back in time a little bit because if, if you know john at all he is buckeyes through and through so well, let's go back oh there key, if you're on key, youtube my, you can my, see his keyboard keyboard <laughs> the the ohio state right that's how they Correct. say it. the, the ohio university state. right um 
you know, how did you, I mean, it's a kind of, a, it is definitely kind of a cool uh, gig that you were doing, but, you know, in college, like for me, like I would not have known anything about that type of work. So take me through how that, that, that evolved from you when you got into college, that that was something that you were interested in doing. So in high school, I was like, I I've always loved sports. My, I grew up in a sports crazy family. My parents both went to Ohio State. My brother and my sister went to Ohio State. We were all drinking the Buckeye Kool-Aid. Um, so in high school, but I was I was kind of a ch chubby kid and um, not a great athlete, but loved sports. So I was a, I was like a football manager. I was a basketball manager in high school. And then uh, my dad was a small college, a high school and small college uh, basketball official. And so he um, he had gotten to know Elton Miller, who was the basketball coach at Ohio State um, at the time when I was a senior in high school and going to be going to Ohio State. So I wrote a letter to Elton Miller, that basketball coach, and just inquired about what's is it possible to be a basketball manager? How do you do it? Uh, and I got a letter back saying, you know, come, come see us when you get to campus in the fall and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. And, you know, it was almost like setting up an interview. Um, so I did that and I became a freshman basketball manager um, where, you know, you get to like deal with the uniforms and sweep the floor and do nothing sexy, <laughs> but I was in, you know, I was yeah. part of the team and there were like seven or eight of us that were managers. Um, and I did that all four years of undergrad. And then, um, at that time, and I loved it. I mean, got to travel, got to go to all the big 10 schools, got to go on, not as a freshman or sophomore, but as a junior and senior, you got to travel and go to a Did you get paid game. to do that or no. it was free? Okay. And I was, I would have done it for, I probably would have paid to do it. It was, it was a great experience. So I spent all my free time um, at the, at the arena, at the basketball arena, even not even during the season, you know, we, we always had workouts going on and stuff. So it was, it was, it was really, really fun. Yeah. That, that had to been tremendous. So with that, that background, I would imagine you were getting to know people in the, in the marketing world for right. uh, Ohio State, and that that kind of got the bug going for you a little bit. Well, that's what led me to work in the off season, like in football season. I would work in the ticket office, um, and I also uh, I kind of always had kind of was drawn to ticketing for some reason. <laughs> I can't totally explain that, but it was just being involved, you know, with the event. Yeah. Um, and I got, uh, I, I, yeah, I got to meet people. I got the, and so the connection to Pacquiolan, where I eventually ended up in California, is Ohio State was one of the first clients using Pacquiolan software. Um, so while I was working in the ticket office, I was actually learning the software and getting exposed to how how you do automated ticketing and cr creating customer records and their seating history and their years of giving and all that kind of stuff. So that's, I met, I met, I made relationships with people at Pacquiolan as a grad student um, in the ticket office. And then once I had gone to Western Michigan, I kind of kept in touch with some of the Pacquiolan people I had met. And that's when they were expanding and that, that, that's kind of how, that 
stop in Kalamazoo and then ended up in Long Beach happened. Now, growing up in Ohio, and I don't know how often you would venture into California or or this type of area at all. Um, you know, obviously, we're talking about the the winters, and I know as we speak right now, the winters. I'm sure you still have relatives out there, oh, yeah. and and I'm and I know right now it's it's extremely cold, and they got some severe weather going on right now, and this is old hat for you because you grew up in that type of uh, environment. But I'm curious to, to know, as a kid, did you think that you were going to stay in Ohio? Or in the back of your head, did you think you were going to move live somewhere else? Not necessarily in California or Long Beach, but did you think you were going to live in another area? I thought for sure I was going to graduate from Ohio State, maybe go do something else, end up back at Ohio State, and work at Ohio State my entire career. That's what I was sure I was going to do. <laughs> until I didn't um so it was the Pacquiao experience because I think even at my time at Western Michigan I still kind of had in my mind like I really want to end up back at Ohio State because I just you know I just loved everything about it I love going to school there it's great um but when I got the opportunity to come west and I'd been west one time I have some relatives I have some cousins in Northern California so I'd come out to California when I was 15, one time on vacation. And um, yeah, I, it was those two winters in Kalamazoo that really were like, yeah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> so. I love yeah. it. Okay, well, so you were 20 years at, uh, what was the name of the? Pa what Pacchiolan. 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 20 years into it. Obviously, if you're anywhere for 20 years, obviously there's got to be some enjoyment there. Otherwise, yeah. you go insane. Yeah. So I'm sure there was times you're probably going insane anyway. But yeah, yeah in, in my estimation, I mean, I feel like if, if somebody is at somewhere for 20 years, I get it. We all have to pay the bills. We all have to work and not everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. But but if you're somewhere for 20 years and you absolutely hate what you're doing, I think yeah. it's time to find something else. But yeah. anyway, I don't think that was the case with you. I'm sure you you enjoyed most of your time. So talk sure. to us through what happened uh, and uh, the opportunities that, that presented themselves after well, that. Well, you know, it. I saw Pacquiao develop from a small 25-person operation and grow into a 200-plus person operation. Um, and it got more corporate and more pressure and more a grind, but the people are great. The people are still great. I have tons of friends there. I really, 91% of my whole experience there was great. Um, and in fact, I got an amazing opportunity. So in 2013, we won a contract to provide the ticketing services for a new venture in Singapore. It was one of the, we had done a little bit of business in Canada. Um, we had tried to do some business in Mexico that never really happened, but we, we, we got wind of this operation, this, this new multi-purpose athletics facility that was being built in Singapore. And um, we, we, I mean, I'm oversimplifying a few things just for brevity, but we pursued, we, we put a bid in to provide the ticketing services for this. It was going to be a, 
a 55,000 seat arena uh, stadium. There was already an 18,000 seat uh, arena that was on site. And then they were going to build like three other venues, smaller, like multi-purpose, where they could have badminton and wrestling and basketball. Um, and then there was going to be an auditorium as well. So it was like say, mega, it's called the Singapore Sports Hub. And we won that contract. And so the company needed a couple people to go get this thing off the ground. So I I threw my hat in the ring to be considered to go. And at the I was single at that time. I I I, I was very I had the ability to kind of pick up and go. Um so I was one of the two people chosen to go do this thing that I'd never done before. <laughs> so it was an amazing opportunity. It it's it it I was there a year and a half. So I moved. I moved to Singapore. Um and I went with another guy from the and so the other guy that I went with, his name was Chad, and he he was the, gonna be the GM and I was basically gonna be his assistant. Um, he had a more depth of experience in like building a company from the ground up. So the two of us went over there and um, got to work with, there were people already on the ground that we were kind of set to work with and helping us launch this thing. But I never worked so hard in my life. I mean, it was like 15, 18 hour days, six days a week. Um, it was crazy, but man, what a, it was sensory overload. You know, it was like, yeah. I mean, it was ideal that it was Singapore because a lot, most of the business that's done in Singapore is uh, in English. Um, and I kind of call it Asia for dummies um, <laughs> because it's, it's, I mean, it's an eclectic mix of people and most Singaporeans speak Mandarin Chinese, um, but there's a, big influx of Indonesians. There's a fairly significant Indian population, um, Malaysian population, big. So it's just really cool. And there's a lot of expats, a lot of expats from Britain and from Australia. So it was this is like super cool mix of people and cultures. And I I dug it. I mean, it was, I, I would catch myself thinking like, here I am, this kid from, I wasn't a kid anymore, but you know, this guy from Fairborn, Ohio, a little suburb of Dayton, like in the middle of this Singapore experience. It was like, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Absolutely. So obviously, um, you know, there was work to be done and working that many hours, six days a week. Um, obviously, there was a lot of enjoyment in doing that, but um, how to be a little bit of burnout every now and again, working <sighs> that that many hours. So what did you do, you know, for your, your sanity in those, those situations? Well, I got to travel a little bit. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I went there with this vision that oh, I'm going to see all of Asia and it's going to be amazing. Um, and I did get to do, you know, more of like a couple long weekends here or there, go to Thailand or go to, go to Bali. Um, and which is all great. You know, it was all like first time experiences for me. And, um, uh, so that's pretty much it. I mean, but I did enjoy the work because we hired like, you know, when we saw it through, I was there long enough that we got the business off the ground, the stadium opened. Um, we hired a whole ticket office staff, local Singaporeans. 
um, which was like such an interesting experience. Uh, and Singaporeans are in their heart are so nice and polite. So it's like, you know, you have to try to get the staff to not call me sir. You know, like, eh, just call me John. I don't need to call me sir. <laughs> There's just this deference, you know, to hierarchy that's kind of yeah. interesting. Um, but um, so I did enjoy the work and I got to see, you know, kind of, we had Taylor Swift there. We had Bruno Mars. You know, we had some big concerts before I left. But I, I my job assignment ended fairly shortly after we got the business off the ground um, because it's expensive. Expensive as all heck to to do business in Singapore. So, um, so the, so <clears throat> the other experience, the other cool experience is from the time that I knew my job assignment was ending to the time I actually moved back, I had six weeks, and I made the most of those six weeks. I travel. I mean, I had to do some things obviously to organize the move back, but I travel. I went to Perth, Australia. I went to Taipei. I went to I went to Vietnam. Um, I went to um, Shanghai, China. Like I like, I blew some. I blew some serious money um, before I came back, but it was awesome. But I, but I love those experiences because most likely you're probably not going to go back to every single of the places that you just named no, there. No. But you'll have memories of that for forever. That is incredible. It is incredible. I, I think mean, that that is. Great. I love I love being thrown into a diverse culture or something that I, you know, haven't had experience with. And, you know, no matter how crazy the world is and how much people are, you know, battling with each other, people are inherently good. You know, mm -hmm. it's like people are uh, Asian culture in general. People are very nice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Aussies are very nice. It's, it was, those were great experiences. That's that, that's wonderful to hear, and I yeah. and I and I love that message that you just said because I echo that. Yeah, uh, uh, people are inherently good, and I I firmly believe that. So I'm yeah. glad that you you echoed that message. So now it's a year and a half later. Um, you you, yep. you moved back to California, back to Long Beach. Then yeah, back point? in my con I I bought a condo in 2000. I still have it. Oh, okay, um, well, we're about to. I had a buddy move in while I and house sit basically. Okay. Um, Is that who was, the Belmont Heights area as well? Or? Yeah, Redondo and uh, like Redondo and Tenth. Okay. Oh, geez, you're right by me. I'm still there, Newport, okay. the corner of Newport and Eleventh. Okay. Oh, geez, I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm basically uh, between Eleventh and Anaheim on Roswell. Oh, like you're literally six blocks away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've been there for 24, going on 24 years. Um, so I came back in the fall of 2014 and uh, was like, there, I could have gone back to Paculan and gone into some role that I wasn't very excited about. And I really didn't want to go back into the same role I had. I kind of like the sensory overload thing was like, oh my God, I don't, I don't, I can't imagine going back and doing something I did before. So I started exploring the nonprofit world. That's when I started to like open my eyes and like, oh, I want to do something that has like a little more intrinsic value, um, giving back, you know, something not corporate grind ish. And um, I, I stumbled onto this organization called Great Minds in STEM. 
who was up in kind of East LA, Monterey Park area. And um, dabbled with them for a little while, kind of did some part-time work for them to explore um, what they do. Basically what they do is they, they provide opportunity, scholarships, and promote um, um, STEM college degrees to first time, first generations of school. So they started with a very East LA focus, trying to help kids break out of the, you know, the repetitive, you know, just, you know, uh, family environments that they were in where they, nobody was breaking out and like even considering college and that kind of thing. Um, so I, I, I actually ended up working for them full time um, for a couple of years helping I was helping, they, there was one specific product they had, which was called MentorNet, and it was an online mentoring tool that matched a future college student, high school seniors or college freshmen, with an actual mentor from a school around the country, not even necessarily in LA, um, helping them, like having weekly meetings with the kids, and, and we had tools in our MentorNet product that had prompts for helping, you know, helping the, the 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 instructor kind of keep building, you know, a path for the student to be more comfortable going to college and, you know, taking on this whole new environment that nobody in their family had ever, you know, experienced before. Um, so that was really fulfilling. Um, the company, the organization, still going today. Um, great minds and STEM, doing great work. Uh, financially challenged. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was a, it was a bit hard financially. Um, so it wasn't, and I was, you know, commuting up to Monterey Park every day. And, you know, that wasn't, I mean, I had been commuting to, Air, to Irvine for 15 years, so it wasn't that horrible or anything, but it just, like, it, I wasn't feeling like totally, it wasn't totally resonating with me. So I was looking around and saw this job, posting on Indeed um, for this assistant development manager for the Long Beach Symphony. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting and nearby. <laughs> and I love and I love music. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I was not a student of classical music at all. And I was not musically inclined. I gave it two years in junior high school and struck out. Um, <laughs> but um, I was intrigued, you know, so I did some homework on the symphony and I, I expressed an interest and I wondered if I would even be considered because my background was in, you know, college athletics and, but I did have fundraising experience through selling fundraising software. So I understood fundraising. So anyway, got, got an interview and had a couple interviews and got hired in June of, 19, of 2018. And, and how has that been? And how has that experience been? Because you took it through the took it through COVID, which yeah. I mean that 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 had been tough. I mean, your whole business is live entertainment, right. and that was completely taken away for close to two years. So pretty much the first to shut down and the last to come alive again. Mm. Um, yeah, so that hit. I was with the organization for two years before that hit. So um, I was overseeing. We have a a golf tournament every year and we have a, a, a big fundraising gala every year called crescendo 
So I was kind of overseeing those two things. And I was, uh, you know, doing some, some of the lower level, smaller dollar donation fundraising um, and, and enjoying it. And then, yeah, COVID hit and we just went dark and we went from, we had 10, 11 full-time employees at that time, not including the orchestra, of course. Um, and we shrunk down to five oh. and we all took pay cuts and we tried to keep, you know, we created this um, online uh, program called Musically Speaking, where we used our music director, Eckhart Proy, who's great. He's very conversational, really cool guy. And so we had him do interviews with some of the guest artists that we were going to be having that season that got shut down because we, you know, we still plan to have them back at, at some point, whenever we could, you know, we went into it thinking like everybody else, like, uh, you know, we'll see what happens for the next month or two, you know, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is much more serious than a month or two. Um, so we kind of created some little bit of program that we put on YouTube, but it was hard, you know? I mean, we still continue to fundraise and I will say, God bless our core set of donors. I mean, they kept giving, you know, not, not necessarily at the levels that they had been giving when we were, but they certainly were a lifeline to keeping us alive and the government programming, you know, the PPP, programs that, that help. I mean, I will say the government really, really stepped forward and helped the performing arts in, in a bit. I mean, it helped lots of small businesses and large businesses, but they, they performing art, the arts community in, in general was a priority. So that was, we were, we were blessed to have that support. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear. I mean, but I, I would imagine when you guys were cut to five people and you guys taking pay cuts um, to keep things afloat. I mean, there, there had to been thoughts in the back of your head. Oh man, I may have to look for another, another employment. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was, and, and it was like, well, what am I going to go do? Nobody's doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there really wasn't any opportunity at that time. And so it felt like the five of us that were staying. And of course we we're all working from home. Um, you know, there were days that weren't busy, that's for sure. Um, but we kept the fundraising going, um, you know, reaching out to people. We still, you know, um, did correspondence and made phone calls. And uh, like I said, people were, people stayed incredibly loyal. So we, 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 we made it through. You sure did. You sure did. And uh, when I went to the Beatles uh, Pops concert, it looked like uh, a renaissance. It looked like a pretty good crowd. Yeah. When did crowd. you start seeing the, the I mean, I, I would imagine when you first opened up, you might have had when when. Well, first off, when did you guys kind of you said that you guys were the last to kind of reopen. So when when was that? Well, we, we ended up postponing, then canceling the end of the 20 the 1920 season because everything hit in march of 20 and then the next season the 21 22 season basically didn't happen so we came back in the fall of 22 and then and and you know it still wasn't over i mean you know so we were we were taking our cues 
from the city of Long Beach and the Long Beach Health Department. Mm -hmm. So mega events, over a thousand people um, were coming back, but they were coming back with restrictions. So when we came back in the fall of 22, um, we had mask mandate, we had um, mandatory proof of vaccination, um, and uh, that was, you know, not fun. Not fun to have to check people at the door and- Yeah, that, the regulation that. on that. And a lot, of, a lot of people had strong feelings about that. And I have to say, I have to say, which, which, which was, which is kind of unfortunate because the people that are, are checking the, the, the tickets and checking the vaxes, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're not the, they, they did not make the rules. So right. I, I, my heart went out to, 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 to your staff, um, in that situation because they were taking the brunt of that punishment, which was not deserved. They were, they're just doing their jobs. Right. 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 And I, I think I had the wrong year there because we lost the 2021 season. So it was the fall of 21 when we came back with the very careful, you know, uh, vaccination requirements and, and and mask requirements. And yeah, it was just no, it was no fun to be the police on yeah. that stuff. You yeah. Know? So, so uh, you know, our attendance suffered, obviously. Um, and it hasn't totally come back, you know, I mean, people got very used to being home and watching Netflix and, you know, not, not going out and kind of having their, having their entertainment delivered to them. So, you know, I we agree with we that, but I think there is starting to be a renaissance with that. I think yeah. there a lot of people are kind of sick of the, uh, uh, of being at home. I, I can tell you this, uh, in my business with the zooms zoom obviously was huge for right. quite a while and now yeah. people are like paul we're close enough can we meet in, in person because the energy is just different yeah um so i think there's a craving of that and and with your product the long meat symphony i think in itself will bring more people back i i i i really feel that way especially in 2024 i'm gonna i, I i'm gonna see i'm gonna say it I think the things are going to get back to normal, if not greater, because I pe I think people are craving the community. Long yeah. that's why Long Beach is so cool. You yeah. you mentioned that about Singapore, but Long Beach is kind of that same way where you have cultures from all over yeah. uh, the nation, all over the world, different yeah. backgrounds, um, all coming together in and and almost I hate to, not in perfect harmony, but in in, in huge harmony. Yeah, uh, in this in this city, I think that's one of the cool things about Long Beach. And I think you're going to see that, especially um, in, in your line of work. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, and we've been, you know, one of the things, Kelly Ruggiero is our president and she, she's been here 11 years and um, you know, she's, she's a, she's a driving force of like, of that, that those diversity initiatives. I mean, we've, we've built incredible relationships with the Cambodian community here in Long Beach, which is the largest Cambodian community outside of, outside of Asia, um, right here in our backyard, and and you know we didn't know any of those folks a few years ago, and over the course of time, you know we've 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 um, made consistent efforts to get to know them, and you know last year we had a big Cambodian festival and, 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 and a, a couple of concerts that sold out in April where 
the community, Cambodia Town's kind of tenth and kind of like near where we live, up uh, off Anaheim Street, and um, you know people were coming down here to take part, and they had never been down here. You know, you think about people in Long Beach who've like never been downtown. You know, it's yeah. like to me that's kind of crazy, but yeah. you realize that no people like stay in their little communities. You know, mm -hmm. so it's been fun to do you know have initiatives like that um and and uh yeah the the the, the audience is coming back it's a little slower on the classical side because that audience is older tends to be older mm -hmm. we want to change that young people come to the symphony um yeah you i like think it. that's I promise a matter like it. yeah i think that's just a matter of getting the education of of that of that music out there because i right. my cousin who is uh, I mean, he's not young, young, but he's young, on the younger side of that of that uh, demographic. He's in his late thirties, which is super young for that's, for that's that. Super young for us, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he has found a, a loving of the classical music and and the different um, moods. I mean, I think people mm -hmm. think of classical music sometimes, and I think they think of just very calm music and take a nap you listen to it that is not the case no there's there's all kinds of moods and 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 that's what makes you know it's funny is like the, the i don't think the cinema would be as great as it is without using orchestras oh using that type of music wouldn't you well, agree? That, yeah absolutely and that's that's one of the reasons we have a great orchestra it's because of all the studio work that's available, you know, soundtracks to movies, TV uh, shows, commercials. I mean, if you really pay attention when you're watching TV, like there's a lot of symphonic music going on in the background. Um, and um, so there's so much talent in Southern California. And even though we're a part-time orchestra, you know, our, our orchestra members are working in the studios. A lot of them are teaching at the university level or private lessons. Um, or working in other orchestras as well. So they're 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 putting together a career that's multifaceted. But man, there's a ton of talent in Southern California. So we have great musicians. I would agree. I so mean, the, qual yeah, the quality is the quality is really excellent. Yeah, I mean, what, what are we, I mean, not it, in with no traffic. We're what twenty five minutes from LA. I I I'd say with no traffic, it's it's only at midnight. But just whatever. And then three lanes are closed, so it still takes longer. Yeah, that's true too. That that's true. So, uh, what what's the future for John, and what's the future for the Lamy Symphony? Uh, well, the future's bright. I mean, um, you know, I'm 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 digging being part of this at five and a half years in. Um, you know. Uh, Kelly has created a, a, a work environment here that's fun and um, we don't have so many concerts that like you just live every weekend at the concert hall. Um, so, you, you know, you're allowed to have a life, which is great. Um, and I think the future is really bright because one of the things, one of the most exciting things, and Kelly would kill me if I didn't mention this, um, is we have an eye on the Olympics. You know, the Olympics are coming to Southern California in 2028, and Long Beach is going to be a big part of it. There's going to be several events here, and we want to, um, two things. We want, uh, we've gotten, the, the mayor has talked about, um, Mayor Richardson has talked about, uh, we've gotten approved uh, an outdoor amphitheater. Um, just basically, he's calling it the Long Beach Bowl at this point, 
Where would this be located? This would be by the Queen Mary, on oh. Queen Mary Island. That would be phenomenal. The so backdrop a, a of the view. city, the backdrop of the city, next oh. to the Queen Mary. Oh. Yeah, the, so the land is there. You know, it's, I mean, there's lots of the Tidelands Commission and the, and the Coastal Commission and everybody has a say, but it's been approved. And the goal is to have it up, built, running for the 28 Olympics. Um, and hopefully the eventual the eventual summer home of the Long Beach Symphony, so we could have a summer series. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Summer con that, that's the first thing that came to my head. Summer concerts, right, right there. How right. beautiful! Right. The mayor, you know, one of the cool things about Rex Richardson, our mayor, is he's a music guy. He like loves music, all kinds of music. He's super supportive of us, but he's supportive of pretty much every genre of music that that Long Beach has to offer. So, I mean, he, he's really got energy on it. And um, that's, that's exciting. That's exciting for us. And so one of the Kelly's visions and all that happening is to, to work toward having a kind of a multicultural music festival during the time of the Olympics. Um, and, and it could be at the, the New Bowl partly, but it could be at the Terrace Theater on the plaza in front of the Terrace Theater where we're celebrating you know, the Cambodian community, African-American community, the Latinx communities, um, all of that pieced together. And and not just Long Beach Symphony centric, but have all the performing arts organizations in the city take place, uh, take part. And, and um, you know, while the, the eyes of the world are on, are on Southern California. So that's the grand vision. I love it. And, and I hope it, I, it's got to happen. It's going to happen. I'm going to manifest right. right now. It's happening. Right. I can already picture myself sitting in the seat watching it uh, while the while the while the uh, Olympics are going on. It's going to happen. <laughs> you spend the morning watching rowing, and you spend the afternoon at the theater and enjoying tremendous music. You can't get any better than that. <laughs> you really just can't. Uh, that's awesome. So, if yeah. uh, well, uh, going towards present time, and th this interview is taking place in uh, late January here of 2024. Uh, what uh, concerts are coming up, and how can people get tickets for the Long Beach Symphony? Okay, so the next uh, next Pops concert is February 3rd. Um, we are we are paying tribute to the music of the Rolling Stones. Which we're very excited about. That's that's pushing the envelope a little bit for us. So we're we're, we're fired up about that. Um, we do have a, a, a Stones cover band that will be featured, and then the symphony. The way this works is that any kind of that uh, contemporary music, there are specific charts written for the orchestra to back up. You know, the the, the a lot of the hits for the Stones. So we're going to be celebrating the Stones on February 3rd, Saturday, at the arena. And then February 17th is our next classical concert, which is going to be um, pictures at an exhibition, which is the, 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 the tremendous classical pieces that people would recognize, you know, if, if they if they, if and when you come. Um, and we'll be featuring our principal cellist, Cecilia San, that night. And she's been with us over 20 years. She's amazing. She's She's done, you know, she plays with the John Williams Orchestra in LA and she's been featured at Disney Hall and she's a superstar and like the nicest person in the world. So we're very excited about that concert. And then we do tributes to Fleetwood Mac in March. Um, we have a disco dance party in May. 
to close out our pop season. Um, our other, we have Brahms Requiem on March 9th, which is a tremendous classical arrangement. Um, and then uh, the world famous uh, Tchaikovsky Piano Concert Number no. 1, which if you don't know it by name, you know it when you hear it. Um, that'll be a tremendous way for us to close out our season on the first weekend in June. And how would they get tickets? Tickets are available online at longbeachsymphony.org. Um, or I actually recommend old school calling our office because our ticket office folks, Lorita and Petrina, are they they're like they handhold you. They give you your you know best seat locations. They they will take time with you, um, tell you all the options. Um, so it, and there's no service charge. You call the office and and order through uh, order through us directly. Um, and that number is 562-436-3203, um, nine to five Monday through Friday. Um, and where could they get that that phone number through the uh, through the website? On, on the website, yeah, longbeachsymphony.org. Okay, okay. Has, so has all the information, has all the concert information, everything we're doing. Um, yeah, so yeah, those are the those are the best ways to to find us. And we have a thirty dollar ticket entry, uh, baseline ticket entry for either pops or classical. I think one's thirty two and one's thirty. I always forget which is which. Um, and then obviously there's higher price tickets uh, available, but um, yeah, it's, it's, we try to keep the barrier to entry as low as possible. Wow. Well, you know what, John, I had so much fun talking to you and I've said it before, but when you do podcasts, you know, when you talk to somebody and we've had a lot of conversations, but you know, when you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, normally I'm not going to the background of, where they went to college and that's that, yeah. and that maybe comes up every now and again. Right. But the podcast it normally comes up. It's a little more thorough. So it's kind of cool that, yeah, I've known you for, you know, several months now. Right. Um, but, and I, I had known a little bit about you, but you know, with this podcast, I know a lot more about you. So I'm yeah. so glad that uh, you decided to come on. Cause I, I really enjoyed our conversation today. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. It's been great getting to know you and getting to know the Signal Hill Chamber, too. It's like a lot of great people. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely doing some great things. And uh, we're, as a matter of fact, we're partnering up with you on the uh, the Pops with the with the Stones on February 3rd. So, um, you know, looking forward uh, to have our crew join the Long Beach yeah. Chamber and whoever chamber else and right, right. network before and, and, and uh, enjoying great, great Rolling Stone music. Chamber, chamber of Commerce Night at the Long Beach Pops. That's right. So before we end it, I always like to end it with a, a, a fun question. Um, okay. Since this this podcast, it's it's a Long Beach thing. So it's about Long Beach. Yeah. So where are your favorite places to eat in town in Long Beach? Ah, okay. Well, top clear number one is Nick's on second. Next on second is my go-to. It it's you know you can't go there regularly. I, it's tough to get in. You got to like plan in advance reservation. But I love the food. I love the vibe. Great, always great service. Ever since that opened years and years ago, you know, ten years ago, twelve years ago, I don't know how long ago, but that's been my absolute favorite restaurant. 
in in the city. I, I love I love going there. I love taking like when people visit. You know, I I like to take them there. It's a little loud. It's a little tough for a conversation. It's like it's a little it's it's super energetic, but it's fun. You know, it's funny that you bring up Nick's on Second Street because uh, a, a lot of my guests bring up Nick's on Second Street. So obviously, oh, really? it's it's a it's a popular spot. But what I love about Nick's on Second Street is. For me, if I'm going to go to Nick's on Second Street, I like to sit outside the patio on on the Second Street side, right. uh, and, and people watch. Now, if you're if you're going with somebody that you don't know very well, or and you want to get to know them, or 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 whatever, you, you're you're right with Nick's on, and you want to have a conversation. Yeah. You might want to have it to be another time, uh, because more about Nick's on Second Street is this is is like you said is the ambiance being there. Um, I love Belmont Shore quite a bit, so I'm there all the time, and, and it's kind of just fun to, to kind of people watch while you eat, and right. the service there, I agree, is 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 top notch. Notch. I like it though when um, when it's not raining and, and it's not too cold outside, where they don't have the the drape on there, because I like to right. be out with you know out yeah. on Second Street there. I mean, it's still yeah. fun when it when it has that up there, but I love it when it's not when it's um, you know, around that springtime, summer, right. it's not too hot there, you know, or, or uh, in the evening. Um, what's your go-to uh, meal there? Is there a thing that you like to Ooh. eat there? Uh, I have to say my favorite thing on the menu is the chipino. They make an awesome chipino. Um, so seafood. For, for the folks who don't know what that is, and I don't know what that is. Oh, is really? That dish? Yeah, it's like a, it's a seafood stew. Okay. It's like a it's like a, a red uh, 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 broth based with mussels and clams and shrimp and um, uh, what else um, like fish chunks mm. in a in a red um, uh, like a more of a Manhattan clam chowder kind of broth. Got it. And served with a little killer mini loaf of sourdough bread for dipping mm. into the. It's like it's awesome. Ooh, make me hungry now. Good. What? You're You're making gonna, me hungry for it now. Let's go. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right on. Uh, right on. Well, uh, yeah, Nix is great. Uh, John, once again, thank you again for uh, doing this interview with me. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I certainly had fun talking with you today. Hopefully you had fun as well. Yeah, it's great. And I'll see you soon, my friend. Okay. Look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Right on. It's been a long beach thing. <laughs>